I'm your host. My name is Mike Gaston, and this is episode number 134. 134 of the podcast. Uh, folks, this is Saturday, September 2nd. Uh, it's Labor Day weekend as I record this beautiful, beautiful day. My goodness. My goodness. The weather has been gorgeous down here in Charleston, South Carolina. We had a well, I, I don't even know if it was a tropical storm. There was a hurricane that hit uh, Adalia, uh, hit Florida, worked its way up past through Georgia, and uh, hit us Wednesday this week, this last week. And, and quite honestly, by the time it hit us, it was really just a lot of rain and a little bit of wind. And fortunately for us, it, it kind of went a little north of us. Um, appreciate everybody getting in touch and saying, hey, man, how you doing? You, you survived the hurricane. But really for us, it... It was a whole lot of nothing. It did hit some of our um, shoreline, did have a bunch of flooding, uh, not personally, but just the area. Uh, but for the most part, it was, it was for us, much ado about nothing. Now, I know it, it caused some havoc for some other folks down in Florida and uh, whatnot. So grateful for all the outreach and the concern. But the reason I bring all that up is to say, yeah, so we had a bit of a weather event uh, a few days ago, but my, my word, I mean, it's just been beautiful. Uh, cooler mornings and nice and warm sunny days and we're looking we're looking at like you know sunny and in mid to high 80s for the rest of the week i mean it's just ridiculous so anyway enough about the weather uh thanks for joining me guys would love to share a little bit of news with you so i'm looking around my office and uh it looks like a bomb went off. My office is just a wreck. There are papers and scraps and pieces of tech, and uh, it just there's just stuff everywhere. It's totally unorganized, and that is because a handful of weeks ago, on August 9th, I filled out some paperwork. I went down to City Hall in Charleston and filled out some paperwork, and I wrote a check for $150. And you might be saying, well, Mike, what did you do? And those of you that subscribe to my newsletter, Broadside, uh, those of you that are American subscribers, U.S.-based subscribers, not American by birth or nationality, but just living in the U.S., um, you got an email from me a couple weeks ago letting you know what's going on. Folks, I, and I'll explain why I only sent it to the American uh, living folks in just a minute here. <laughs> Boy, drag it out, why don't you, Mike? Um, I'm doing like the fan dance here. It's a bit of a tease, but I am running for office. I, I filed to become a candidate to represent my district to run for office uh, for the Charleston City Council. District 9 here, West Ashley. Part of District 9 is part of West Ashley. If you look at Charleston, it's a peninsula with a couple, uh, was a lot of waterways and rivers, but there are two rivers running either side of that peninsula. And uh, one of those rivers is the Ashley River. And in the old days, they referred to the other side of the Ashley River as west of Ashley, west of Ashley, and uh, meaning west of the Ashley River. And I live in West Ashley. Funny enough, the little district that I'm a part of, and West Ashley is a pretty big area. It's chopped up into multiple districts. In my district, District 9, it is the original place where uh, the Europeans landed, um, Charlestown Landing. The English landed there and uh, set up a little fort, a little community, started trying to grow and trade and, and uh, 
things like indigo and whatnot and send it back to to the motherland. So I live right across the street from where Charleston was originally founded. But then, of course, over time, they moved to the peninsula. And uh, that's where the city of Charleston uh, is and has been for hundreds and hundreds of years. Anyway, Charleston established in the 1600s, one of, probably not the, but one of the oldest cities in America. And uh, my district has a representative. He is giving up his seat to challenge the incumbent mayor. So he's been on the city council for a number of years. And uh, and he and the mayor, uh, although funny enough, he votes this this fellow that, that has held the seat for our district, votes with the mayor all the time. Whatever the mayor puts on the table, he votes in accordance with the mayor because they are of the same kind of political ilk, political party. Although city council and the mayor, those races are nonpartisan. You don't usually run. You, I don't say usually. You don't run uh, based on your party. So, you know, I can't run as like a libertarian or a Republican or a Democrat. I can run as a conservative, meaning small seeming, you know, hey, I'm a conservative guy of conservative principles. Uh, but, but the mayor and, and the fellow that holds the seat now in my district, they have been of the same party, a blue party, you could say. Um, <laughs> and they, vote together. So the mayor puts something on the table and this fellow, he always votes in favor of whatever the mayor's doing. But strangely, he's running against the mayor to unseat him. And, and I think some of the, the, the uh, inside baseball is there's no love loss between these guys, although they vote along um, the same lines due to their party affiliation and, and their kind of alignment on the issues, there is a personal issue between the two of them. And I've heard some some stories. I won't get into all that here. So anyway, I say all that to say this fellow is giving up his seat. And so a number of other people, four other candidates who also uh, have a blue complexion, <laughs> these people, you know, they're running as nonpartisans, but they, they tend to be more blue. Uh, they've thrown their hat in the ring and uh, there was nobody running that had more of a conservative kind of common sense, reasonable uh, approach to government. I mean, I just was looking at this thinking that there isn't anybody else out there who, you know, kind of thinks the way I think. And so it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, our district, I would say, is probably 60-40 split blue versus red. So it tends to lean more blue. But again, this being nonpartisan, I'm not running on a party affiliation. I'm not running on, well, you know, whatever the Republicans say, that's what I think. And those of you that know me, I don't think whatever the Republicans say or think. I am pretty much my own thinker. And, and um, one of the reasons I wanted to run uh, is that I was challenged. You know, when someone came to me and said, hey, Mike, would you run? I initially said, oh, no, not interested and not interested, not interested. And I sat down and talked with with someone that, that and, and the more they talked, the more I started to realize, I kind of got convicted, if you will, but I started to realize, you know, city council is where the rubber meets the road. You can have all kinds of political ideas and political principles, and you can, um, you know, just go on and on as, as, as I am want to do about how the society should be structured for human flourishing and what, you know, this is out of order and we have to have these principles in place. And, you know, I, you hear me talking about things like mediating institutions and, and uh, dehumanizing totalitarian government. You know, I, <laughs> I'll go on and on. The thing that struck me, I kind of had a put up or shut up moment. And that is that, look, yeah, city council, if you look at the agendas, 
it's a lot of minutia. It's annexing properties, it's tax rates, it's zoning issues, uh, it's budget stuff. It's you know, it's all that kind of just minutia. It's it's it, it's it it could be banal. It may be mundane. I'm not sure what the right word is. That banal might not be the right word. But it's just like all this minutia. And if you're a technocrat, you love that kind of thing. I, you know, I'm more of a, what are the right principles? You know, what, what matters most? How can you improve people's lives in a real way based on the right principles? What's a good way to order things? How can we invest in ways that, that make people's lives better? What should government be doing? What should it not be doing? But based on principle, not just government is the solution to all things. And I realized, like, this is a put up or shut up moment. Like, you have to be willing to look at an opportunity like this to serve and to say, hey, I have all these ideas of all these opinions. I share them on my podcast. I write about them in my newsletter. If I'm not willing to throw my hat in the ring and, and, and pick up the mantle, as it were, to serve, then I should shut my mouth on all this. I shouldn't keep talking about what I think ought to be if I'm not willing to try to be the change. You know, that's the phrase these days. Don't just, you know, you got to be the change that you want. And and so I sat there and I thought, you know what, I, I kind of have to take this a little more seriously than I have been. I have to I have to put some thought into it. Lydia and I prayed about it. And we just believed God was opening a door. We believe, you know what, this is a door being open. You're being invited uh, to run. And it's an opportunity to put your kind of grand ideas into practice, not meaning that I'm going to implement my theories, but it's a challenge to say, okay, you've got this broad theory that I'll give you an example. I have the idea, this is a conservative idea that healthy neighborhoods, that neighborhoods are a mediating institution. What I mean by that is when you have healthy neighborhoods, people look out for each other. They care for each other. They help one another. And that, that mediates between the individual and the government, the state, meaning it creates a buffer. It's like, look, I don't need the government to take care of everything when I've got good neighbors. So yeah, we need government for things. I'm not anti-governance. Uh, otherwise, I would not be running for office. I believe in good governance. But, a, but a, a strong, healthy neighborhood is a mediating institution. And what you find in healthy neighborhoods is political party, affiliation, all that doesn't matter. I could be, and I'm not, but I could be you know, a, a lefty, crazy progressive, and my neighbor could be hardcore right-wing conservative. But at the end of the day, if we help one another, hey, you're going on vacation I'll, I'll mow your lawn for you. Do you mind? Do you mind? Uh, there's a package being delivered, but I'm not going to be here. Do you mind signing for it? Or a phone call. Hey, I noticed it's 11 o'clock. Uh, your garage door is open. Did you mean to leave that open? We're looking out for each other. We're caring for one another. Now, those might seem like small things, but they actually have a great impact on people's day-to-day -day lives, their sense of well-being, their sense of safety. Uh, and feeling cared for, loved, secure, et cetera. And, you, you know, depending on where you live, if you live in a neighborhood, maybe you live in an apartment complex, you'll find, like, um, you know, sometimes you feel isolated. you got people right next to you, uh, but you don't know them. They don't want to make eye contact. They aren't willing to help you because there's this sense of, like, leave me alone. I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to be, you know, I want my privacy. Uh, depending on what kind of state, uh, I don't mean what kind of state, what state in the U.S. or in your own society, folks living, uh, listening all over the world, 
you know, what kind of neighborhood do you have? Are people helpful? Are they friendly? Do they say hello? Or is it more of a leave me alone? When we lived in New York, you know, we lived in neighborhoods for many, many years and hardly knew the people around us. And we'd make an attempt. You'd talk to people, maybe invite them over, uh, do a little cookout, and they would get nervous. It's almost like they, they didn't want the stress of building a relationship. I, I will say in our last neighborhood before we left New York, we did have a couple uh, across the street from us, Mike and Sharon. And, and Mike, you, if you're listening to this, you guys were great. But, you know, there was, that was a couple was like, we shared things. It's like, hey, there's a holiday. Let's get together. Hey, we're, putting, we're, ma- we're making a bonfire. Bring over, you know, we got a bottle of wine. Come on over. Like, bring some glasses, you know, that type of thing. And just spend some time together. So, so that, when you have that kind of relationship, not that you have to be best friends, but when you can rely on each other, the, the, the neighborhood becomes a mediating institution. So that's, so, so then when you look at something like, city council, you know, what kinds of policies can you put into place that facilitate, support healthy neighborhoods? And what kinds of policies can you push out, can you strike down that disintegrate um, the health of a neighborhood? And so these are the kinds of things when you take these big theories, they, they really come into contact with the road of, of reality or the road of everyday life. It's where the rubber meets the road. These theories meet the, 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 the road of, of our everyday lives. And so I was just convicted. I'm like, you know what? I have to be willing to, to do this um, if what I say I believe, I truly believe, and uh, if I want to continue to, to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, you know, I'm, I'm serving where I, I can. So there's a race on. There's a race on. Now, now, Monday is Labor Day, and typically after Labor Day, that's when everything kicks off. Now, I mentioned there are four other folks, so five of us running for this specific district. There are 12 seats on city council. And this year, all the odd seats are up for grabs. So typically, the incumbent, uh, his name is Peter Shade. It's pronounced Shade here, but it's spelled Shahid. Um, I think his family and my family come at some point probably from the same part of the world, uh, me being half Lebanese. But um, Peter Shade, uh, I think his people have been here since about the 19, early 1900s, turn of the century. But uh, he, you know, if he were not running for mayor this time around, he would be the incumbent having to run again to, to, to retain his seat if he so desired. But since he decided to go for mayor, it's up for grabs. So you got four guys, uh, all four of them, uh, various types of, I would say, Democrat, liberal, blue. Uh, and then you've got myself. There's really one player in that group of four that stands out. There's a young man, an attorney. Uh, his daddy was on the city council years ago. His sister is the uh, is our county treasurer. Uh, so he comes from a little bit of a, a political family, and uh, they've been here for generations, obviously. So I would say, I mean, look, they're all competitors, don't get me wrong, but I would say he's my main competitor. I would say that he's everyone's main competitor. This is the kind of main guy. So we do have a pathway to success. We've mapped it out. We know what that looks like. We know the work we have to do. Uh, but it's going to be quite a fight. It's going to be a battle. And, um, and I'm excited about it. So come, you know, Monday's Labor Day. And typically after Labor Day, everything kicks off. Now, I mentioned this competitor of mine. Uh, and I'm not going to name him. Not that I'm, I'm not one of these guys is like, don't ever say your competitor's name. Give me a break. Uh, it's not that. It's just like, I don't want to get into the details because 
who cares? But he's been, you know, I, I think he's had an inside track on, on Peter Shade's um, career. He, he knew, I'm certain, that Peter was not going to run again. Uh, so you can see if you look at the if you look at the financial filings, you have to be very transparent with your finances. If you look at the financial filings. I mean, I think his first report was back in I want to say April. Uh, so April. So he's been raising funds since April. Uh, whereas I just got into the race August 9th. So I mean, he's got a little bit of a war chest. We've made up a lot of ground as far as the finance and, and any of any of my friends across. The country, and this is where we'll talk about the newsletter, across the country, they've been supporting me. You guys have been phenomenal. Thank you so much. I, it's like you're investing into Charleston, uh, and I'm really grateful for that. So I made a, a reference earlier that if you are a subscriber to Broadside, uh, which I'll leave a link in the show notes if you want to subscribe. You ought to subscribe to Broadside, my erstwhile once-in-a-while newsletter. Uh, but if you're an American subscriber, you you know that I'm running because I did a post on this uh, uh, two, three, two weeks ago. And in that, I asked for money. And this is why I only send it to people residing in the U.S. I know people that listen to this podcast all over the world. There are individuals that would give. I know you would give. You're so generous. You're, I've got people that have supported everything I do. It's like when I did Broadside as a paid, paid newsletter, Mike, I'm in. I did, you know, when I was doing live streaming on YouTube, people would, you know, do donations. And But for a political campaign, I have to be very careful, very, you know, just have to be every penny. It's got to be ethical. It's, it's it, it just, you have to be careful. And uh, I really don't know what it looks like to receive foreign funds <laughs> to, to, for a political campaign, especially one that's local. It's a very local, nonpartisan election. Uh, and I just wanted to avoid any like trouble around that. So I only announced it out to folks that are in the U.S. because in that, in that newsletter, I, I put a donation button. I'm like, here's a link. Like, help me out. I need some help. It's going to be expensive to run this race. Uh, and, and a number of people were generous, and it was just it just blew my mind. So, those of you that not, not in the U.S., I do apologize. Please understand, it was just a matter of trying to keep myself on the right side of the ethical finance uh, aspect of running a little political campaign. So, it's been quite an experience, and uh, I've really been grateful for it. The only thing that I'm lacking right now is just time. I, I need to be about three people. Uh, because there's just so much to dig into as far as, you know, digging into policies, digging into budgetary issues, digging into projects that either have been successful or have stalled or have gone over budget, getting a a feel for all the different players involved, the different uh, council members, people running for office in other districts. Uh, It's just, and then of course, there are all these individuals locally here in Charleston that have just been super supportive and talking to these people, understanding what their concerns are, talking to the people in my district, my neighbors, and so on. It's just been a full-time thing. And of course, I am still a consultant, which means I have some wonderful clients that I take care of. And I had one client that, uh, who's also a good friend of mine, and I just had to say, hey, Jim, I got to dial back. Like, if, if you can just give me a couple months where, where I, I mean, I'm on call. Like, if you need something, call me. But I can't be in all these meetings, et cetera. He was fantastic. I mean, he, he gets it. He's, he's run for office himself. Um, but I've had to dial back a little bit just so I can keep the, kind of the main work, um, you know, focused and uh, on, on track and healthy. 
get this campaign up to speed. At some point, this will become more of a door knocking exercise than anything else. Um, there's a bunch of meet and greet meetings. There's some, you know, kind of social gatherings that we have to go to that I'm looking forward to. But, uh, but really, at the end of the day, it's getting out to the voters and explain to them, you know, why I'm running, listening to them, what their concerns are, and and asking them if they'll support me in the polls. So it should be very interesting. Uh, Boy, I mean, if, if nothing happens after today, just the last few weeks, what I've experienced, what I've learned, what I've been through, it's been priceless. One thing is kind of cool, too. Uh, we have a friend here. Her name is Jennifer. Uh, I met Jennifer through uh, a podcast. There's a podcast some of my listeners know about. It's called The No Agenda Show. It's Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. And essentially, it's a twice weekly deep, de, uh, not debrief, but kind of a, uh, I'm going blank here. Um, a dis, uh, what do you call it when you uh, break something down? Why am I going blank on that? A deconstruction. Golly, I guess I'm, blot, I'm blotting out that postmodernist language. It's a deconstruction of the media in, in, the, da- in, the, in the daily weekly news. And it's a great show. A lot of, like, a lot of humor. They, they're funny. They're a little, you know, they're, they're like they kind of play with the whole conspiracy theory stuff. But they often are way ahead of the curve. I mean, they'll throw things out there that you think are crazy. And then later on, it's like, oh, that was real. <laughs> anyway, I met Jennifer through that show when we moved to Charleston. Because I lived, I listened to the show for years. When we moved to Charleston, I, I reached out and said, hey, anybody in that listens to the show uh, in the Charleston area, Jennifer, you know, raised her hand and uh, she and I and Lydia have become great friends. Anyway, Jennifer, really talented, uh, hyper-organized, super smart, great with data, great with technology. Um, She's in a previous life was an event planner and organizer. She's done some political campaign stuff uh, when she was younger. So we brought her on to, to be the campaign manager. Lydia and I talked about maybe Lydia being the campaign manager, but I said, you know, here's the thing. You and I are going to be going in a hundred different directions and the campaign manager is such a critical role just to, just at the, at the very basic level, just to keep things organized and, and all the balls juggling properly and all that jazz. Forget all the advice and direction, just keeping everything coordinated and organized. I told Lydia, the last thing I want is if you drop a ball, because everyone drops a ball, that's, I don't want us fighting. I don't want to lose, you know, blow my cork or lose my uh, temper. Uh, You know, I can't believe you forgot this. This was so important. You know, like that kind of thing. I just didn't, because when it's your spouse, it's so much easier to get upset about it. Uh, When you have a friend or an employee or a contractor saying, let me take this project on, then it's a matter of like, okay, this has to be professional. And uh, and you're playing to someone's strengths. It's really uh, Jennifer is just so well suited for this role uh, of organizing and, and managing the campaign. And Lydia is really great at recruiting. She's wonderful at just recruiting people in. She's like an evangelist, you know. She just meets people. She loves them. They love her. And then and then she's got all these people. So we so so Lydia's job. Uh, besides uh, making me look good, um, which she has been doing for 31 years, is to you know, just find people, volunteers, people that will help, you know, whether it's stuffing letters or, you know, going through a neighborhood and, and leaving door hangers or, you know, knocking on doors, all that stuff, just finding people that are willing to help because it takes a lot of help, a lot of volunteer work. And then Jennifer's job is to manage everything. And, um, and then my job as a, as a candidate is to fundraise. That's one job. 
Number two is to interact with people and, uh, share, you know, be a, you know, like campaign, get out there and meet people. And, and then number three to win. That's my job. No pressure. So yeah, man. So that's, what's going on. Uh, I apologize, you know, for being a little quiet. I put out a podcast episode a few days ago. Uh, you probably heard it. Um, Myron Weber and I had a conversation a little bit about strengths and weaknesses and, and profession. Uh, it was kind of good to get back into the interview mode. I wouldn't say it's the best interview, and that has nothing to do with Myron. I think I was a little flat at the time just because there was so much going on. I was a little bit distracted, but it was just good to spread my wings a little bit and have an interview. Looking forward to doing more of that. Check that out, though. I thought Myron had some great uh, insights and great thoughts. Uh, definitely worth a listen. And then, of course, we got this going on. So you're, you're going to probably hear more from me uh, from the political um, uh, arena. Uh, but again, I, I, I don't want to just solely focus on this race and, you know, talk about things that are relevant, uh, maybe share some of my challenges or experiences with you that want to continue to wrestle with ideas. I mean, that's what the currency is all about. It's about uh, the ideas that have value, the ideas that have merit, and, uh, and how these ideas have currency. So, guys, uh, thank you. It's a short one. Just want to kind of give you an update on what's going on. Love all of you. If you haven't done so already, you know, you can sign up for the newsletter, etc. I'll, I'll leave a couple links. I'll leave a newsletter sign up link. I'll also link to the campaign page if you want to check it out. I'm about to create a video that's going to go on that page, so you might want to bookmark that and, and check it out. But here's where you get to the show notes. This is where the show will be published, and you can get all the links there. Just go to thecurrency.show, thecurrency.show forward slash episode 134, thecurrency.show forward slash episode one. Three, four. You go there, be a bunch of links. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can check out the. Uh, you can check out the uh, the uh, vote for Mike Gaston website, and you can even donate if you want to. But more than anything else, I'm just grateful for your time, grateful for your support, your listenership. I will also say thank you for some of the great emails. Uh, some of you folks that read my newsletter also listen to the show you've been very encouraging and i'm grateful for that guys i love each and every one of you i wish i could meet you all in person wouldn't it be great to have a big meetup that would be so cool uh thousands of people from all over the world that'd be amazing love each and every one of you i pray god's blessing upon you hope you have a great week and i'll catch you in the next episode cheers <laughs>